Hello, and welcome to The Potential State. My name is Dr. Asel Romanelli, and today I want to rethink compassion through the lens of empathy versus sympathy. So in 1970, Rare Birds, a band, psychedelic band, records the song Sympathy. And its chorus goes, Sympathy is what we need, my friend, cause there's not enough love to go round. And I want to revisit that. So sympathy, right, is the the is the act of feeling what the other is feeling, their pain, and the wish to alleviate that pain, a wish to see them feel better. Empathy is crossing the bridge, if you will, and stepping into their shoes, intuiting what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And I want to say that empathy and not sympathy is the way forward. With sympathy, I'm not only feeling, but I'm active there. I want to do something. I want to fix. I want to heal. And what I want to claim is that extra oomph, that extra will, is actually sometimes it backfires. We all want somewhere in ourselves, the wish that somebody will see us, will be with us. To see beyond the business cards, the smoke screens, that we just say everything is fine. We wish people would really see more than that. And I want to take you guys to an example from the movie Inside Out, where it's inside Riley's mind, and she has this character of joy and character of sorrow, of, of sadness. And this character called Bing Bong, which is her childhood imaginary friend, is sad. And Joy tries to cheer him up. Cheering him up, cheering up, but it's not working. And then sadness just sits there and just says, you're very sad. You're very sad. And then Bing Bong cries and he lets it out and then they move on. And I think that's exactly the difference. Where Joy was busy trying to cheer up Bing Bong, sadness was just with him there. And I think a lot of times, and I'm going to give a few examples from where I see people finding it hard to stay in empathy and they always do that extra jump into either savior mode or sympathy or preaching or one of those reactions. I want to say it's the empathy that really helps the people, the other, our client, our partner, our child, our colleague to really be touched and to find the strengths within to move on. And what that really requires for us is to hold on to ourselves, is to aid dare to cross the bridge and feel the other open our mind and our heart and our body to really cross the bridge and see what the other is feeling and then to hold on to ourselves, to hold on while we're experiencing their pain, their suffering, their confusion, our uncertainty. And what I find many times that when we dare to cross that bridge, the first reaction is we're overwhelmed or we're scared because we're not used to feeling our own pain or because we weren't expecting to be that close to someone else and then we immediately start doing something. We talk, we ask questions, we preach, we cheerlead, all these reactions. And when we do that, it forces the others to step out of themselves and to be concerned with us, to either be defensive or to say, oh, thank you so much. But actually, we're locking them in into that weak position, into that needy position, when sometimes that's not what they want. I'm thinking about Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, where her chapter on intimacy, and she says, before the feminist revolution, right, where intimacy became speaking about it, right, speaking intimacy is talking about our feelings, there was a male version of intimacy, which is the silent intimacy. If you think about the two men fishing or watching a game, 
right? They're just sitting there together silently. And I want to say that something about that, that experience of being silent with someone while feeling their pain, as I'm maturing as a therapist, as a parent, as a partner, I'm realizing more and more that's what people really need. That's what helps people feel seen, feel connected, and then they have the choice of going where they want to go because they don't always want someone to cheer them up or someone to tell them or someone to fix them. And I want to give a few examples. So one of my workshops that I do around the world is called Reading the Map of the Other, where I teach people how to calibrate the other and connect and cross the bridge and sense what other people are sensing. And almost every time I teach that, once people have that feeling, kind of cross that bridge, the first reaction they want to do is either ask the other person to tell me about the sadness that you're feeling or they're trying to cheer them up. It's almost like this intuitive reaction that we have to feeling someone else's world, someone else's pain especially. Whether they're helping professional, educator, therapist, rabbi, teacher, parent, or just another human being, that's what we do. And a lot of times I see that I need to stop them and say, just wait, just name what you're feeling and just shut up and just breathe. And I've been seeing around the world that people have a very, um, there's like a universal reaction to that. It's talking, talking, but it's actually my anxiety as the listener, as the person being empathetic to, to suddenly entering that world. I want to give you another example. So in one of those workshops afterwards, one of the participants came and started telling me about um, an issue they had with their son. Very, very painful experience. And as I was listening to it, it touched me. And even though they came up to me as the facilitator, I didn't feel the need or I didn't want to because it was fresh in my mind to, to do anything about that. I just listened and I said, that's really difficult. And I broke eye contact and I just breathed with her together. And I don't exactly know what happened inside her mind, but there was like this, this deep rapport, this deep moment. And after a few moments, she took a few breaths and the conversation moved on without me cheering her up, without me healing her, preaching to her, crying to her. I was just there next to her. And just today, another example, I was talking to my friend on the phone and he was telling me, he was asking me if I'm coming to a certain event. And I said, I don't know. I don't really know. And then I shared with him a little bit of my confusion and some questions I have in my life. And he started immediately um, normalizing it. He said, well, that's normal. And many people feel that. And he's just, and then I realized that what's happening here is he's cheering me up. And, and then I have to like react to him. I have to step out of my experience right now to kind of cross the bridge to him and almost like to appease him to make him feel worthy or relevant, or to say, oh, thank you so much. Or I actually stopped him and I said, if it's okay, I just wanted to share this with you. I don't need you to fix me. Just listen. Just be there. And I think that's, that's a skill that, that we, we need to learn. I'm thinking about therapists. The first thing we learn is when we feel pain to do something, to analyze, interpret. But actually, we need to do less and less. We just need to feel. Parents partners, colleagues, friends. I'll give one last example um, of that, and then I'll give some practical tips how to do this. So sitting in a restaurant a while back with a man, and we were talking about his marriage, and suddenly 
something happened and suddenly I felt all of the pain and the confusion and the love. It all came like it just struck me in the chest and I broke eye contact and I, he was in the middle sentence. I said, one second, I'm just letting that in. And I just looked down at the table and I said, it's really difficult, isn't it? And the truth is I didn't see his facial expression because I was looking at the table, but there was a silence there, an intimate silence. And then he started saying, well, and he started cheering himself up. And, and then I found myself saying to him, what, just wait, let's just be in this moment together. We don't have to step up and cheer ourselves up or reframe it or make goals. We just need to be in silence. And the second kind of I, I let him just be there or I asked him, invited him to stay there. We just shared this moment. And this punch in my chest that I felt slowly morphed into some sort of... I want to say, I don't know if it's love, but it was a deep connection, deep empathy, a human moment of both of us feeling, feeling together. One of my definitions of intimacy is intimacy is feeling, comma, together. And I think the double meaning of that, feeling together, feeling is one, but also each one of us feeling just next to each other. I think that's a, that's a good place to strive for. Now I want to give a few tips on how, so how to do that. First of all, dare to even cross the bridge and to feel other people. Almost all of us have this ability to be empathetic. Schnarch in his book, Brain Talk, talks about how all of us, and even some mammals, have the ability to feel what other people are feeling using the neuroneurons that which are you know, in, built in all of us. So it's actually, we can all do it, or 99% of us can do it, but do we dare to really do that? Do I really, really feel what my partner's feeling right now, what my child, what my colleague, what my client? So first, dare to do that. And once you cross that bridge and you're letting that in and you're opening the shutters and letting whatever that person is feeling into you, hold on to yourself and breathe. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to cheer them up. Just shut up and breathe. And once you feel like you've got it in your body, dare to verbalize it somehow. I suggest to verbalize it from a one-down position, which means instead of going one up and being the expert and saying, you're feeling sad, you're feeling angry, like we sometimes do with our kids, Go from a one-down position, something like, I'm having this deep sense of sadness suddenly. Is it me? Maybe. I'm half asking that, half saying it, and then I shut up and I see where the other person's going to take it. Are they going to follow it up? Are they going to ask me a question? Are they going to agree with me? Are they going to say something? It's actually not sadness, it's frustration. And I just, I'm just... See, I'm, I'm, I'm lingering in that liminal space and that uncertainty. And then, <clears throat> if you want, you can ask gently what, what would be helpful for you right now. You don't even have to scaffold that. You don't even have to give them options. You can just ask that. And I think even if you don't ask that, I think people really appreciate the fact that you're crossing the bridge and trying to understand them that you actually care enough to go beyond their, 
I call this the dog food that we throw to people, right? I'm fine. I'm okay. All's good. Great. I'm doing great. I have, I think all of us have this deep wish for someone to see us beyond what we say, beyond our defenses. And I think when you say that, when you, when you linger with that empathetic, empathetic moment with that person, I think they can really feel it even if you're not saying anything. And if you're on the sharing side, if you want to kind of offload or lean on someone, so first you can share with them this, this, this video, this episode, and if, and even if not, dare to say to them, if you feel like they're starting to uh, react and respond to you and say things and give you suggestions, feel free just to say, wait, I just, I just want you to listen right now. Just, just be with me here and just silently. And I think you'll be surprised once you anticipate and you can last through the rupture that that will happen. We spoke about ruptures and repairs already. If you can last through that rupture of that, whoa, I think what you'll be experiencing is deep empathetic moments. And I think, ironically, by not wishing to fix the other, I can actually help the other much more because I'm in a deeper connection, I'm in a deeper rapport, and then that person can actually change themselves. They can ask for a tip, or the truth is, most of the times, all they need is for you to feel with them. And they already pick themselves up, and they'll move on. So the real empowerment is not by going into savior mode or cheerleader mode or therapist mode. It's going by human mode, sitting down next to them, feeling what they're feeling, letting them know that you're there, and just breathing and holding on to yourself. If I go back to the song by Rare Bird, I would change the words. And I would go, Empathy is what can heal our friends and help the love to go round. So my name is Asel Romanelli, and this was The Potential State. I'll see you next time.